Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Let's go to chapter 8 and let's pick up verses 40 through 56. Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through 56. Now, I have a few verses here to read. I'll read quickly. They should be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. And then you can refer back, uh, back to this in your private devotion. Luke 8, verse 40, so it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. Now, I want you to notice that. Jairus, ruler in the synagogue, and he threw himself at the feet of Jesus. Verse 42, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age. Notice that, and she was dying. But as he went, Jesus, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, notice that, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. The King James, I believe, says the hem of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be a good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter's dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But Jesus, when he heard it, he answered him and saying, Do not be afraid. Only believe she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep. She is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. Notice that. Knowing she was dead. But he put them outside. He put them all outside, took her by the hand and calling, saying, little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat. Verse 56, our last verse, and her parents were astonished. It can also be read amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Jairus. One of three characters in our story, Jairus, in the Greek means whom God enlightens. Now, I want you to get that branded in your brain. One whom God enlightens. Let me just set the stage for this story and then we'll get into it. First of all, you need to know that this is one dramatic story with three scenes. One story, three scenes. And these are my three points this morning. Number one... Scene one is enlightenment and a newfound appreciation. That's what we'll discover. And the second scene, we'll discover enlightenment and a newfound faith. 
And then in the third scene, we'll discover enlightenment and a newfound amazement. Appreciation, faith, and amazement. There is one narrative here with three characters. Our first actor is a religious leader with a crisis of faith. Our second actor is a woman with an issue catching God from behind. And a third actor is a young girl at the age of bar, or excuse me, bat mitzvah. Bar mitzvah is the son, bat mitzvah is a girl. At 12, she comes of age. Interesting, bat mitzvah. I want you to know that in Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, I want to remind you of the Damascus Road conversion. The Apostle Paul is on his way to Damascus. He encounters a light. And out of that light, God speaks to him. And he says, and you will open their eyes to their true condition. In every crisis, there's a light to be found. You will open their eyes to their true condition. God will use a crisis to bring revelation and enlightenment to people. You will open their eyes to their true condition so that they may turn from darkness to the light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. By placing their faith in me, they will receive the total forgiveness of sins. And everybody said, amen. amen. They will be made holy. Everybody says, amen. amen. But remember, they will take hold of the inheritance as the sons of God. Don't ever forget that. Salvation being made righteous, but stepping into their inheritance as the sons of God, the light, the light. Please know that a crisis has a way of causing enlightenment or understanding and recalibration or realignment. Every storm that you go through, every crisis that you face, can bring a moment of enlightenment. It can bring a moment of understanding and it can bring a moment of recalibrating or realigning, reprioritizing your life. Crisis has a way of doing that. Let's title this today, I Saw the Light. Father, bless the reading of your word. I prayed in Jesus' name and the church said amen. Let's look at scene number one. And let's talk about enlightenment and a newfound appreciation. Verse 41. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. He fell at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. Jairus, whom God enlightens. This whole story is about one man receiving enlightenment. Jairus was a man of deep religious conviction a ruler, a leader in the synagogue. So you can understand how that Jairus, being a leader of the synagogue, experienced the frustration of the Jesus problem. I want you to try to get your mind where Jairus was. He's a leader in the synagogue, and he deals daily with the frustration of trying to manage the Jesus problem. Jesus was a problem. Jesus violated the Jewish traditions. Jesus associated with questionable and objectionable people. Jesus taught as one having authority. The Jesus problem. 
He was a problem. And Jairus was a leader that had to help the local synagogue manage this and try to navigate through that problem. And yet, the Jesus problem became irrelevant once Jairus received the news that his daughter was dying. Think about that. He was dealing with the Jesus problem. And yet, the news comes that his daughter is dying. So back to our statement, a crisis as a daughter dying has the ability to bring enlightenment and a recalibration in your life. This synagogue leader threw himself at the feet of the evangelist called Jesus of Nazareth that had the whole world turned upside down. He threw himself at his feet and he begged him to come to his house begged him to come to his house and I believe Mark said lay hands on my daughter he was violating everything that he'd been saying and teaching and managing within the local synagogue he begged Jesus to come to his house but a crisis moment in your life I've seen it a thousand times we call it the jailhouse prayer where people get in trouble and immediately they have enlightenment and they start trying to recalibrate their life. They start trying to reprioritize their life to get things in alignment. Things start shifting. Let the wife come in and lay divorce papers on the kitchen table and the husband will suddenly get a revelation of what a husband should do and he starts trying to realign his schedule and reprioritize his family. Amen? Enlightenment and recalibration. You see, Jairus had a moment of enlightenment in verses 40 through 42. He had a moment, a revelation, and reprioritizing. He did. He placed Jesus above his own reputation. He placed Jesus above his own religious traditions. And he placed Jesus as a ruler in his life. He threw himself down at the feet of Jesus and said, you demand. You see, during this crisis right now and this is where I'm bringing you in this first scene I'm bringing you to the point of Jairus and where he was in this first scene of Jesus the crowd and Jairus I'm asking you the question I'm asking myself the question I'm asking those watching online during this crisis what enlightenment have you received concerning your life and where you need to recalibrate your living what revelation have you had about your life And where do you need to reprioritize? Seeing the light. Seeing the light and discovering a newfound appreciation for things. Example. Corporate worship. How many would say they have a newfound appreciation for corporate worship? Boy, I feel you now, see. <laughs> COVID-19 has a way of causing us to have a moment of enlightenment and a newfound appreciation for church. So, that should equal faithful attendance to church from here on out. Oh, I set you up. I'm sorry. 
You see, we have a tendency to not truly appreciate things until they're taken away from us. So hopefully from this point forward, we'll be more faithful to church attendance. Or we can shut it down again if it doesn't mean that much to us. Just think about it. Think about it. How about the service industry? The service industry. All right, let's go back. I'm sorry. Social interaction. How many appreciate social interaction? How many are ready to talk to somebody besides your pet? So perhaps in the future, we're going to take and set aside time to interact with family and friends more. Let's spend more time with people. Amen? How about the service industry? How many appreciates being able to go into a restaurant, sit down, and having someone serve you? Surely you're tired of fast food. Drive through. How many would like to go into a nice restaurant and sit down and you enjoy the waitress, the waiter coming up and just, may I help you? So does that mean in the future we're going to be better tippers? How about teachers? How about teachers? How many are glad your kid can go to school and there's a teacher to take them? So in the future, how about a better understanding and more support for our local teachers? How many is ready to give our teachers a raise? Absolutely. A raise. So perhaps, as Jairus did... There's a moment of enlightenment in a crisis. And suddenly, we have a newfound appreciation. We appreciate things and people. We appreciate what we have. We appreciate it. You see, it's not that these things that we've listed, it's not that these things were never good, church, social interaction, the service industry, or teachers. It's not that they were never good. We just stopped being grateful. Now, see, I thought you wanted me to preach this morning. Come on. It's not that teachers... Now, look, there's always a bad teacher, a bad waiter. There's always a bad service, a bad this, a bad... We understand that. But overall, overall, it's not that these things were ever bad. It's just that we took them for granted. We lost our gratitude. But suddenly during a crisis moment, there is an enlightenment. A light comes on and goes, wow, I have a newfound appreciation for church, the corporate worship experience. I have a newfound appreciation for teachers and the service industry. And I have a newfound appreciation for uh, social interaction and In the future, I want to be more careful to set aside time to be with family and friends and to cherish those relationships because I know what it's like to have these things taken away from me. And so now while I've got them, I want to hold on to them. It's a newfound appreciation. So today, today is a micro moment. And and I say that deliberately because you've got to realize these moments, they're just micro moments in your week. They come and they go quickly. It's like the scripture says, you, you, the word of God is like a man. He looks, his, he looks himself in the mirror and he f- quickly forgets the image 
micro moments. Today is a micro moment of enlightenment and a newfound appreciation. A newfound appreciation for the things we mentioned and other things. We as the people of God need to see the light and have a newfound appreciation for the things that we have. We need to have more gratitude for the things that God has given to us to come into a service and to show gratitude for one another, for those that are serving, for the volunteers. We need to come in and have a newfound gratitude for the moving of God's Holy Spirit. We need to have a newfound gratitude for social interaction, family, friends, a newfound gratitude for people that are serving us in the community, the teachers that are teaching our children. There needs to be a newfound gratitude, a newfound appreciation for all the things that we lost over these last several months. The first scene. Second scene. In the second scene, Jairus has a moment of enlightenment and a newfound faith. For in verse 43, it says, There was a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who spent all her livelihood. And notice that it was, my personal opinion here is, from what I'm reading here, is it implies that she was single because it was her livelihood. She spent it all on doctors and couldn't be healed by, any, by anyone, so she came from behind. Again, remember Jairus, whom God enlightens. I want you to see this moment that's very similar to the moment we're in right now. I want you to understand the Jewish CDC guidelines and social distancing. Leviticus 15, 19, if a woman has a discharge and the discharge from her body is blood, she shall be set apart seven days and whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. This woman had a discharge of blood because of that she was unclean, but her problem was is it went for 12 years. And for, so for 12 years, sexually, she could not marry. Maternally, she could not bear children. Domestically, anything she touched was unclean. And spiritually, she was not allowed to enter the temple. She was quarantined for 12 years. So in this moment, Jairus is watching all that's happening in front of him. It's unfolding. The first enlightenment came and he had a newfound appreciation for Jesus. The second enlightenment came and he watched this woman. This woman who dared to come into that crowd. This woman. And so Jairus had this moment of enlightenment. He saw her coming from behind. Broken physically and financially. Coming from behind. He saw her risking the possibility of stoning to touch Jesus. Look at that. Understand. She's catching God from behind. Jesus is making his way to Jairus, his home and his, his daughter. The crowd is pressing in on him. And this woman says, this is my opportunity. For 12 years, she has lived with this issue. And she said, I'm going to press my way in. She understood the risk that she was taking. Because technically, because Leviticus and the law and the traditions of the Jewish culture, by pressing into that crowd and especially by touching a holy man, she was putting her life on the line. Because they could have 
turned, picked up stones, and stoned her right there and killed that girl. But she didn't care. How many knows that you can live with something for so long that you don't care anymore? And she said, here I live or here I die, but I won't live like this anymore. You know, sometimes you got to get desperate. Sometimes you got to press through the crowd. Sometimes you got to lay aside what people think about you. You got to not worry about men's acceptance or rejection. Look, you get desperate enough and you'll come up to this altar and you'll fall prostrate on this floor and you'll slobber and snot and cry and, and you'll, you'll do whatever you got to do to get a touch from heaven. I've watched it all my life. People, people, people of uh, uh, refined people, people of dignity. I've seen it all my life. I've been in services where I've seen women who were meticulously dressed. I remember during the, uh, during the Brownsville revival, I was pastoring in Austin and it was going and Brother Kilpatrick was the guest speaker at the uh, South Texas District Council. It was at, in Kerrville at the district campgrounds. And so we all gathered up there and of course I was excited to have him there in my district and I remember the district officials that we had at that time, they were all very dignified people. They dressed meticulously. There was an air about them. I mean, an air of authority and, and just statesmen. And, and I could call their names, but some of you may know them. But they were just, you know, just wonderful people. And I, we were in the outdoor tabernacle. And they, they literally had like, they had sawdust on the floor to deal with the dirt and everything. And, and uh, they were worshiping. And, and suddenly, one of the officials went to the podium to make an announcement. And he starts walking up there and the, I'm just, all I can do is tell you what happened. The presence of God fell on that platform. And by the time he got to the pulpit, he fell out on the floor. And when he did, it was on. And that thing took off and Kilpatrick was sitting on the platform and he was just watching all this stuff. And I know what he's thinking. See, we were criticized at Brownsville for being fanatical, wild-eyed, crazy, hucking and bucking. And it was just, we took a lot of criticism. But he was sitting on that platform watching these Southeast Texas preachers. And he's thinking, okay, over to the left, they were over there rolling in the sawdust. Somebody else came up to the podium to try to make the announcement. He fell out. They were, it was pandemonium. It was just the glory of God broke out. And I'm standing out there. I'm standing out there just watching all this happening, thinking, well, my Lord Jesus. And standing in front of me is a big guy with long hair. And I looked at him. I knew who he was. Okay. He was, he was a well-known Christian artist at that time. And he actually made a movie. And Suzanne's standing next to me. And we're standing there and watching all this. And Suzanne turned to me and says, that guy right there, I got a word for him. And I looked at him. I said, are you sure? <laughs> him? Because I'm thinking... Ah, he's a national figure. Are you sure you got a word for him? She said, yes. I said, okay. So she walked up and gave him this word and nailed it right on the, I mean, just nailed the word. And I mean, it's just, I'm just trying to let you know what's happened. It's just breaking out everywhere. And suddenly I hear something and I look down on the floor and that sawdust and there is sister so-and-so. One of the district officials' wife, meticulous dressed, dignified, refined, just 
everything's in perfect place. And she's down in that sawdust because the glory of God has gotten all over her. I just want you to understand, you let, you let a moment come when you're desperate. You let a moment come when the doctor makes the call and gives you the bad news. You let a crisis hit. You let there be a moment a moment that rocks your world. And I don't care how dignified you are. I don't care about your religious traditions. I don't care about your inhibitions. I don't care about your fear of man. I don't care about your fear of being accepted or rejected. You'll get in the sawdust if that's where Jesus is. You'll get in the sawdust if that's where the Holy Spirit's moving. You'll get down and you'll weep or you'll shout or you'll snot. You'll do whatever you need to do. If that's what it takes for God to touch me, you'll say, here I live, here I die, but I won't live like this anymore. You'll do it. Don't tell me you won't. Don't tell me. Don't tell me that. I've seen people through my years say, I'll never do that. And I think you're the very one that Holy Spirit's going to grab and knock you for a loop. I've seen it. He saw her coming from behind. Risking everything. Coming from behind. Sometimes you just got to come up behind, from behind. How many has ever had to come up from behind? Just come up from behind. Broke physically. Broke, broke financially. Broke in every way. And have to come up from behind. Come up from behind. Catch up. How many has ever had to play catch up with God? You had to run him down. It's like I gotta, I'm coming up from behind. This is a moment of enlightenment. He's watching this woman. He's thinking, my gracious me. He saw her touch the hem of his garment, the place of anointing oil concentration. He touched the hem of his garment where the oil gathers. They'd pull the oil over the head of the high priest and it would run down his garments. And the garments of the high priest, as you know, were passed down from generation to generation to generation. And you just have to believe that the blood, sweat, and tears and the oil year after year would gather in the hem of that thing. And she understood that and she touched that point of concentration. You have to know that in services like this one, there are moments when there's a concentration of anointing. I don't always understand it. I just know it's real. But there are moments in time. And when the Holy Spirit stirs the waters or the, the pool of Bethesda, you got to get in right then. You got to move in right then. You got to get past your religious tradition. You got to get past your fear of man. You got to get past your reputation. You got to get past that. And you got to move into those waters when they're stirred. You got to move when God moves. And if you hesitate, you're liable to miss your miracle. This little woman, she came in from behind and snuck up on him. And she touched the point of concentration. And Jairus is watching this. And then suddenly, he saw her act of faith, awaken faith and so many including himself. This was a moment of enlightenment and a new found faith. How do I know that? Because in Mark 6, this is after this, this scene, Mark 6, wherever he entered, whenever he entered a village, they begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. After this scene, here in Luke chapter 8, after this scene, people heard about the touching of his hymn. 
And they begin to do that. She was a pioneer that broke through a breakthrough to a new place of anointing, a breakthrough to a new place. She broke through. And after that, he would enter into a village and they would lay the sick and they would, they would just cry out, would you please let us touch the hem of your garment like she did? Just let us touch your hem. She was a pioneer in a move of God. She was a pioneer in a move of God. Her act of faith awakened the faith in many people. Her act of faith awakened the faith in Jairus. This this was a moment of enlightenment and a new found faith. Jairus rose up and he's thinking, if God can do that for her after 12 years, God can do that for my 12-year-old daughter. God can touch her. God can touch my house. That little woman did more than get her own healing. She awakened the faith in Jairus that made a way for his daughter to be resurrected. You never know what your act of faith is going to do. So during this crisis moment, with all that we're dealing with in 2020, how many is ready for 2020 to be over? We're, getting, we're going into the high holy days. And we're getting ready to look at the Hebraic calendar. And I'm just going to claim it. Amen. I'm off of the Gregorian calendar. I'm getting in the Hebraic calendar. I'm done with 2020. Jesus, help us. So... You have to know that there's, in the midst of all this, there is an enlightenment that can come to you. A moment of revelation. A moment of new understanding. And a moment for you to recalibrate. To realign. For churches to recalibrate. If you think church is going to stay as it is, you're wrong and you're going to be disappointed. Church is going to change. The way we do church will change. It's going to change. And you have to know that. We're going to have to recalibrate. I said it here a few months ago, more than once. The day of the convenient Christian is over. And it's time for Christians with conviction. You see, we've got to recalibrate. You've got to recalibrate your family. You've got to recalibrate your church. And we've got to move forward. You have to know that. Now... You see, i got to ask the question. You've got to look inward. And you have to ask the question, during this crisis, what enlightenment have you received concerning your spirituality? And where do you need to recalibrate your walk of faith? Think about it. I want to give you a new word, intercalation. Say intercalation. An intercalation moment. The word intercalation means to insert something between two things, or as we call it, sandwich it in between. Bread, meat, bread. I want you to see these three scenes as an intercalation. This is, in liter this is a literary term, and I want you to see this as an intercalation, okay? You have to see the first scene, we'll call it A1, Jairus, excuse me, Jairus, plead, uh, Jairus pleads for the life of his 12-year-old daughter. The second scene, we'll call it B, a woman with an issue for 12 years pleads for her life. And then A2, the third scene, the 12-year-old daughter is raised from the dead. Okay? So you got A1, B, and A2. 
You got bread, meat, bread, intercalation, a sandwich. A1 and A2 are connected, but yet they're separate and they're joined together by B, the scene with this woman. What does that mean? Joshua chapter two, verse 12. Rahab, the harlot, conquest of Canaan, the spies that come into to, uh, Jericho. Now, therefore, she said, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I've shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. Everybody say token. I want to give you a kingdom principle that I've been living by for years. And even this week, I've been praying it in light of next Sunday's message that I'm going to bring to you. A word that I believe Holy Spirit's dropped in my spirit. I've been praying this at home, been praying in the sanctuary. And I'm praying this. I'm praying for a token. A token. A token. A token. That would serve as a confirmation of what I believe God wants to say and do this next Sunday. A token. A token is a sign. It's evidence. It's a mark. It causes you to remember. So I want to encourage you when praying for miracles, don't forget to ask for a token and watch for our intercalation moment. Watch for the token. When you're praying for a miracle, when I'm praying for a miracle, I will often say, Father, I'm asking you for a token in my life that will serve as a moment, as a sign that the miracle's coming. Give me just a token. Give me something small. When I'm praying about what I'm going to preach on next Sunday, I've been praying this about, about this message. I've been saying, God, listen, I'm asking you to give me a token in my personal life that will serve as a sign for the congregation and what you're going to do in their life. Confirm to me your word. Give me a token that I know this is coming for the people of God. Give me a token. It's like you're praying for revival, so you ask for a personal revival. Let the glory of God touch me so that I know it's a token. I've told you before, I remember in 1995, right before Brownsville Revival broke out, John Kilpatrick was burned out, he was crispy, he was done. He was ready to resign the church and leave. He'd been fighting for two years for revival and he was tired and wore slap out. Brenda with Lyndall Cooley went to Toronto to the church there that was experiencing revival and she brought that thing back. They used to have prayer meetings on Friday night in their home out on their back porch and, and, and Brother Kilpatrick would sit in the swing and they would just pray with a select group of people and they'd all just, they, revival broke out there before it ever hit the church. Revival broke out with Brenda before it ever hit the church. Brenda used to just carry the presence of God with her before it ever broke out. That was a token of what was coming. That was an inter, uh, that was just, that was a, a moment. It was an interruption. God interrupted for just a moment to say, this is what's coming. I'm trying to get you to see a kingdom principle. When you're praying for something, ask for a token. Give me just a token that this is going to happen. Give me a sign. Give me some evidence. And Jairus is pleading with Jesus saying, please heal my 12-year-old daughter. And they're on their way. And suddenly a woman with an issue for 12 years steps up and Jesus pauses for this interruption. And this becomes a token that builds his faith 
resurrection of his daughter. Learn to look for a token. <laughs> an intercalation moment. Today is a micro moment of enlightenment and a new found faith. A new found faith. Look for tokens, ask for tokens that will help you to face what's coming in your future. A newfound faith. Enlightenment. Third scene and I'm done. In the third scene, we have an enlightenment and a newfound amazement. Verse 56. Her parents were astonished, amazed about the resurrection of the daughter, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Jairus, whom God enlightens. I want to encourage you during this time of crisis, enlightenment, revelation, understanding, a time of recalibration, a time of realigning and adjusting your life, a time of a newfound appreciation, a newfound faith. I also want you to have a newfound amazement. I want you to find the amazement in life again. Luke chapter 18, verse 17. Learn this well, unless you receive the revelation of the kingdom realm the same way a little child receives it, you will never be able to enter into it. Just think about a child's revelation of the kingdom. Imagination and creativity. When was the last time you dreamed outside the box? Children will take a box and they'll turn it into a fort. How many has ever bought presents for your little children? They open it up, they take the item out and throw it to the side and they climb in the box and play with the box. You wasted all that money for nothing. It's because of their imagination and their creativity. I'm talking about you and the kingdom of God. When was the last time you were open to possibilities? When was the last time you believed you could do anything? When was the last time you believed you could do anything? I'm talking about days of innocence. When was the last time you, you took no thought for tomorrow? Remember what it's like to be a child and you worried, you took no thought for tomorrow, as Jesus said. You wasn't worried about tomorrow and what would come or go. You didn't care because you were playful, carefree, days of innocence. When was the last time you were trusting of others? When was the last time you made a lifelong friend? When was the last time you were willing to give yourself to people rather than the church? And the community, and you're willing to work together for the betterment of people, trusting. When was the last time you were uninhibited? When was the last time you felt the freedom to be yourself? Do you remember what it was like to have a child's revelation of life in the kingdom of God? Imagination, possibilities, innocence, trusting, uninhibited. When was the last time you came to the kingdom of God like a little child? When was the last time? Jesus said, if you don't come like a little child, you'll never get in. You'll never see it. You'll never realize it. You have to approach this thing as a child. A lady by the name of Nost made this statement. Life is amazing, and then it's awful. And then it's amazing again. And in between the amazing and awful, it's ordinary and mundane and routine. So breathe in the amazing. Hold on through the awful and relax and exhale during the ordinary. 
That's just living, heartbreaking, so healing, amazing, awful, ordinary life. It is breathtaking and beautiful. She said, breathe in the amazing. Here in our story in verses 49 through 56, Jairus had a moment of enlightenment. Notice this, in his house, just notice this, in his house with his daughter, he noticed as Jesus walked in, they all started ridiculing him and laughing at him. He noticed that God will use the one others laugh at. How many ever feels like you get laughed at? Yeah. How many feels like you're not qualified? How many feels like people think you're crazy? They do, you just don't know it. But how many, how many? <laughs> but Jairus, Jairus, I'm talking about three scenes. Think about it. And the first scene, he had a new appreciation for Jesus. And the second scene, watching this crazy woman risk her life, had a newfound faith. And then in the third scene, he watched, he watched God use the very one that others were laughing at. And he was amazed. God uses, God calls things that are not as though they are. He uses the wise, or excuse me, the foolish to confound the wise. He uses the rejects. He uses the rejects of our community. The others are the ones that others laugh at. He uses them. And Jairus was amazed. Think about this. He noticed that his daughter was dead. But the Bible says the spirit came back. So what may appear dead still has a spirit that can return. Your business may look dead, but it has a spirit. Your marriage may look dead, but it has a spirit. Your health may look dead, but it has a spirit. Your life may look dead, but it has a spirit. What may appear dead has a spirit. And it can return and come back to life. You've got to believe in resurrection power. And Jairus was amazed. He walked in and they all started laughing at Jesus. And Jesus said, get out. And then he walked over to a dead corpse. And he said, little girl, get up. And Jairus watched the spirit come back to that which was dead. I'm telling you, it can live again. You've got to have an enlightenment during this time and a newfound amazement. And then Jesus did the third thing that amazed him. He said, shh, don't you tell anybody what I did. And Jairus discovered how important it is that God gets all the glory. If we'd have been there and done that, we'd have made t-shirts, ball caps, coffee mugs. We'd have been on billboards, been on TBN. We'd have made a show and wrote a book. That's a fact. And Jairus stood there. Can you imagine what it was like? I've got a newfound appreciation. I've gone beyond religion and I found Jesus. I appreciate what he, who he is. He had a newfound faith. He saw a little woman with the issue of blood, put her life on the line, and awakened the faith in so many people. And now in his own home, he has a newfound amazement. God uses the very one that people laugh at. He uses them. He uses this man that everybody called crazy. He uses him. And what I thought was dead still has a spirit. It can live again. And 
Jesus doesn't want any credit for what he did. So during this crisis, what enlightenment have you received concerning your passion? And where do you need to recalibrate your imagination? Your passion for life. Your passion for living. Live life out loud, uninhibited, like a child. And can you dream again? Where's your imagination? Can you think outside the box? Can you take a box and make it a fort? Can you do it? Can you take a bad situation and God turn it around? Where is your imagination? Stephen, come help me. I'm done. So in closing, I want you to see one dramatic story with three scenes. Scene number one, enlightenment and a newfound appreciation. So action step for you, express appreciation for someone in your life, i.e. a teacher. Scene number two, enlightenment and a newfound faith. Action step, expect miracles and don't forget to watch for the tokens. Look for the tokens. Intercalation moment, sandwich, a sign, an encouragement that God gives you, just a token. He says, hold on, the answer's coming. Scene number three, enlightenment and a newfound amazement. Action step, look for the amazement in life every day. And when you find it, breathe it in. Breathe it in. When you find amazement in life every day, pause for just a moment and breathe it in. A crisis has a way of causing enlightenment and a realignment, a recalibration in your life. It has a way bringing clarity of what's important and what's not causing us to reprioritize this is a micro moment for us to regroup to recalibrate and to leave here and re-engage in the kingdom of God repeat after me I saw the light Say it again, I saw the light. Say it again, I saw the light. People ask you, what did you get out of COVID-19, the fires, the hurricanes, the presidential election, the economy, the rioting? What'd you get out of all that? I saw the light is what I got. I had enlightenment and a recalibration. I realized, I realized the things that I need to appreciate. <laughs> I had a newfound faith. My faith was increased. And I rediscovered the amazement in life. I had a moment where I saw the light. Thank you for listening to the One City Church podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.